dive into today's message. I'm talking about finding purpose, finding my purpose. And uh, to me, this is the favorite thing for me to talk about is discovering my purpose. And someone said, well, pastor, why is it your favorite thing to talk about? Because I know the value of when you discover your purpose. That when someone discovers their why, they discover why God made them, how God made them, there's nothing in this world that will stop them in their lives. And so for me, that's the beauty of what we do here at the church. It's I want to help you discover how God created you, discover why God created you, and then unlock you to the world. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. But did you know there are people that when you talk about this subject, they actually cringe? My creative team, we have a creative team that helps me write the messages and do all the research and we're looking and finding different articles and you know when you look up discovering your purpose or finding purpose, you would think all the articles are great like man we love it, everybody's got a purpose. But the truth is there are hundreds and thousands of articles that have been written that say you don't have a purpose. There is no reason for your existence. There's not an intelligent designer. There is no purpose to your life. So live life to the fullest. Do what you want. Get all that you can. Why? Because this life is all that you've got. And so this is the challenge is that for us, if we're not careful, you can believe that and you can say, hey, listen, no, the truth is when you read those articles, and I've read so many, the truth is they're frustrated because someone told them they had a purpose. Someone said, hey, listen, you've got a destiny that you were created for a reason, and they never found it because they never went to the source of their purpose. The only way that we can find our source is in God Himself. God created us with a purpose and He created us for purpose. That for us as people, we've got to know that we were created by an intelligent designer. That we're not an accident. That He handcrafted and shaped you and formed you in your mother's womb. That God set you apart. That there is a reason to your life. You don't have to just exist, but you can discover the why in your life and why God created you. Then the beautiful thing is, once you discover your purpose, we as people have a responsibility to go and give our lives away. God, okay, you, you created me for this reason, but now I'm going to go and I'm going give, to give my life to the world around me. And that's the challenge of life. That's the challenge of the Christian life anyway. It's that we've got to find ourselves so that we can lose ourselves. Finding ourselves so that we can lose ourselves. We see this in Mark 8.35. Mark 8.35 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel, they're going to save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their soul? So what's the writer saying here in the text? He's saying this, listen, it doesn't matter if you gain everything the world has to offer. You can gain riches. You can gain fame. You can climb up the corporate ladder, get all the way to the top of the ladder, and then realize that your ladder was leaning up against the wrong building. That what you were building your life for and the purpose that you had in your heart, it was the wrong thing. It was misguided, and it wasn't the true purpose of your life. So we got to find ourselves so that we can lose ourselves. Hey, has anybody ever got lost? Anybody ever gotten lost in here? I know for me, uh, Phyllis and I, and I know we're living in the day of iPhones and Google Maps, like lost. All my young people are like, what are you talking about? So I remember a day just a couple years ago, not too many years ago, and 
Phyllis and I were invited to a black tie event, and it was a big deal. It was a friend of ours. And so we were excited, and it was actually in center, uh, city center. And so here we are. We just moved into the area and didn't really know where city center was. And so I asked someone, hey, can you print up map on uh, paper? You, you guys know what that is, a map on paper, map quest directions and all the men. You know what I'm talking about. You used to have your paper maps and and so we printed them up, and I'm thinking, man, I'm doing good. And they had it all nice and neat. And Phyllis and I were getting dressed. We look good, suave, and man, now fine. And then we jump in the car. We head up 59 North, and we go down the Beltway, and we're taking an exit. And so we take the exit that the directions say, and start driving back into some neighborhoods. And Phyllis say, "Turn right, right here." I say, "Are you sure we're supposed to turn?" I say, "What the directions say." Okay, turn and ride, and all right, yeah, okay, we're going to follow. And then I looked to Phyllis, and I said, baby, are we going to the right place? She said, no, this ain't taking us to the right place. I said, yeah, but come on, we got to follow these directions. She said, I'm telling you, this ain't the right place. How many ladies know what I'm talking about? You know, but I'm trying to just follow directions. I'm like, we only got about 1.5 miles left to the end of the road. We're going to follow these directions, and we're getting deeper into this neighborhood with more houses, don't see any businesses. Finally, we get down to the place, the location it says we're supposed to be, and we are at someone's home. Yeah, so the directions got us to the wrong place. And so Phyllis said, well, listen, see, you should have listened to Siri. But that was back when Siri was just coming out, and so I didn't really trust her. We didn't have a relationship at that time. And so I'm like, all right, good. You, you think we ought to do Siri? You need to push Siri right now. Try it. The problem is the house and the location that we were at didn't have cell phone service. We had T-Mobile at the time. And so we're sitting here. We're lost We've got no service to get us connected to the source that can get us to the place that we need to go to. So we just start driving around. I felt like the Verizon man. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And trying to get around and get some bars on the cell phone and, and looking for directions and trying to get there. Finally, we got there and, and Siri answers and responds and says, you're an idiot. <laughs> Not really. And we got the directions. We made it to the black tie event. How many know we were stressed out? We had some passionate conversations and got there and all was well. And now we can all laugh at that story. But I wonder if some of you in here had directions to find your purpose and your significance and you feel like you're lost. See, you've been taking the map that the world has to offer us that says this is how you gain significance, this is how you gain your purpose in your life. And the problem is the person that gave you the map had the wrong directions. And so I'm here to tell you this, you're in a place, a church, that our goal is this, to connect you to the source so that the source can get you to the right place. And that's what in our life we have to realize in us that Christ is the only way to find your purpose and your significance in your life. It's, it's no other way. So, so how do I find myself discover your purpose in Christ? It's got to be in Christ. My purpose is my purpose, but it's in Christ, the one that created me, the intelligent designer. He has a purpose for my life, and it's my job for me to discover it. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Everybody say handiwork. Oh, you got to say it better. You got to talk back to me. Handiwork. 
There you go. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So I like to say it like this. You're his masterpiece. Yeah. Anybody feel like his masterpiece? How many feel more like his mess <laughs> that he's changing into a masterpiece? Listen, that's okay. You're in the right place. Ain't nobody perfect. Ain't nobody got it all together. We're all in the same hospital. Some have just checked in a little bit sooner than you. But you are a masterpiece on the inside, and the world will lie to you and say there's no significance, there's no purpose. The greatest purpose in life is for you to get everything you can that the world has to offer to try to make yourself happy. And that's just not the case, that he created us with a purpose in Christ. So here would be the question, Pastor, Pastor, how, how do I discover this purpose? How do, I, how do I uncover it? The first thing is this, there's a couple of questions. The first one is this, what am I passionate about? So when we want to discover our purpose, a question everyone here ought to ask is, what is it that I'm passionate about? What makes me come alive? What is it that when I do, I have energy? I'm excited. There's, there's great energy inside of my life. Nobody has to tell me to do it. When I do it, it makes me feel like I'm alive, that this is what I was made for. And so passion helps us to mark our purpose. I remember 15 years ago, Phyllis and I had a restaurant. It was called Krabby's Seafood and Grill. And you know we were just 24, 23 years old and we were going to church and we loved God and you know this was after my conversion and so we're doing some great things and God really touched my life and I, I remember we were making money and the business was doing great. I had about 30 employees and life was good and I was a young entrepreneur. I had a little bit of notoriety. That's that young guy that has a successful restaurant. We were making some money and in my life, there was still a void, and though I always thought at the age of 35, I would be a millionaire, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to keep making money. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. God, you gave me a knack for business. You gave me a knack to raise up people, uh, you know, to, to make money, and then I'll never forget one day I woke up, and I just felt like there was a void in my life. That it wasn't about the money that I was making. It wasn't about the notoriety. It wasn't about doing just business. But that God has really spoken to me to really impact the city through people. And I remember going through the city of Port Arthur. We live close to Port Arthur and talking to some of the people at Catholic Charities and just saying, hey, like, what, what, what is the need in this city? Like, I know that I have a business, but how can this business work to fill the needs of this city? And he said, listen, we have a big homeless population in our city. And as Catholic Charities, we're helping them throughout the week. But on the weekend, they kind of get forgotten about because there's nobody there really meeting their needs. They're hungry. And these are not people that are looking for a handout. These are people that are looking for a hand up. And I remember coming back and talking to Phyllis. We started this nonprofit called Genesis Project. Remember that, Steve? Genesis Project. And we said, hey, listen, how can the business that we have give back to this community? And, and he said, well, you know, they, they've got some needs. It's food. It's, it's really kind of training them and helping them. And, and I thought this, we were closed on Sundays, open six days a week. What if we bust those homeless people to the restaurant and fed them amazing seafood? And then we taught them some life skills. We helped inspire them with the word of God. And then we could bridge the gap and help meet the needs of our community. I talked to our assistant manager. Her name was Renee Lynham. And I remember telling her about this, and 
She said, well, that's awesome. You know, what does it look like? I said, well, it's good, but the, the deal is everybody's going to have to do it for free. Like, like this is what we're going to give back to the community. And she said, well, okay, we could try it. I'm not sure people are going to do it. And I said, well, let's try it. She said, well, if nobody does it, I'm all in. I thought, okay, great. So we talked to the staff. And let me tell you, 29 out of 30 people joined with us to bus in the homeless people into a restaurant that was closed on Sundays to feed them in the natural and then feed them in the spiritual and then send them back into the world more equipped to face their world. So you say, Pastor, why are you telling me that? Because what I see now that I didn't see then was that my passion was linked to my purpose. Who knew 15 years later my calling would be to gather people from around the city that would be unlocked in their passion and to send them back out into their community to make a difference in this world. My passion was linking me to my purpose. And so for each of us, what is it that you're passionate about? What makes you come alive on the inside? Now, here's a caveat. Listen, just because you're passionate about something doesn't necessarily mean it's what you were called to do with the rest of your life. Anybody know somebody who's passionate about the wrong thing? How many have ever seen American Idol? How many know nobody watches it to see the winner? Everybody knows the winner's going to be a rock star. You watch it for the auditions. You know what I'm talking about? We were watching them this week in my office. People that were passionate about singing but couldn't sing a lick if their life depended on it. Out there just getting it, and it was so passionate but so wrong. You know what I'm talking about? And so I, I would say this, they didn't have a small group because if they were connected to a small group, they would have had people that loved them enough to tell them the truth in love. You can't sing. So it's not just your passion. The second question you've got to answer is this, what are my gifts? What are my gifts? What is it that God has given me in my life? These are things that you're naturally good at. These are things that come easy for you. We see Romans chapter 12, verse 5 through 9 talks about them. We call them grace gifts, but look at what it says. It says, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Everybody say one body. And each member belongs to all the other members. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So God gives us these gifts. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You're just naturally good at it. And it says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. So he's saying, hey, listen, these are some of the gifts. Give whatever God has given to you. And then he says, if it is giving, then give generously. How many know that giving is a gift? It's a grace gift. That's why we have a legacy team. Our legacy team met this weekend. And those are people that have identified themselves as giving more than their their 10% their tithes to advance the kingdom of God. That is a grace gift. It's a gift of giving. It says, if to lead, then do it diligently. If to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Every one of you have a grace gift, something on the inside of you that energizes you. And maybe you've not been able to put your finger on it, but I want you to know this. Every person has a gift on the inside. And that's why we constantly tell you to go to Next Steps 301. Just the last service, we had 21 people start to take their next step after church. You're like, I don't know if to clap or not. No, it's amazing. 
Why? Because that's 21 people that are going to take their spiritual gift test today, their personality test today, and begin to unwrap the gift that God gave to them. Why? Because they're on a journey to find their purpose. They're on their journey to discover their why. So many times we live in life and we just exist. Can I tell you, you don't have to just exist. But you got a gift that God put on the inside of you, and so we've got to discover it. So what? So that we can give ourselves away. So how do we lose ourselves? We lose ourselves by denying ourselves. Look at verse 34, which was the verse before we read in verse 35. It says this, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must, everybody say it together, say deny themselves. And take up their cross and follow me. So you got to deny yourself. I've got to deny myself. So what does that look like? That looks like this. Every one of us has a selfish nature on the inside of us. It's a nature that says, it's all about me. I want to preserve myself. It's about what I like. It's about what I think. It's about what I want. Can I tell you that Christianity is never about what you like, what you want, and how you feel. It's about us serving the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and living a crucified life that says, it's not about me. I deny myself. Deny myself. And on the inside, it's, it's hard because we grow up with this mentality. Mine, it's mine, it's, it's what I want. That's my seat. Don't let nobody sit in my seat. No, baby, this ain't that kind of church. If someone's in your seat, go sit in another seat. It's probably a lost person. Let's pray for the lost person so that they'd be saved in our service. Can I get an amen? Ha. And so I, I, how many got kids? Anybody got any kids? I, I got kids and Fridays, I take the, the day off, and so if you try to get in touch with me Friday, you just, you're out of luck. Everybody on our team knows that. You're not going to get me. It's my family day. And so Friday, I'm sitting down on the couch and, you know, laying down. My boys are playing their Xbox, and uh, they're playing uh, different games and laying there. The girls are in the room, and they're back there playing, and all of a sudden, I'm not going to tell you which one because I don't want to call them out, but I hear a screech like she just died. <laughs> I'm like, good Lord. I jump out of the couch. I'm like, she must have just died. Like, I cannot believe. What, what Did she cut off a finger? Did she cut off her toe? Did she just, I, and so I run into the room, and my girls are sitting there, and they're fighting over this, 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 this toy. And I said, what in the world just happened? She stole my Barbie. I said, that's what that was all about? She's still crying, just alligator tears, like she just almost died and lost her life. And I'm like, baby, is, and, and I said, okay, okay, how many have to play mediator? You're like pulling them apart, like after the shock that they're not dead, I'm going to kill you. And so, you, you and, and so I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. Well, were you playing with it? No, but it's mine. How many have ever said, it's mine. You didn't have to teach her to be selfish. You didn't have to teach her to try to get what she thought belonged to her. It's at the very core and the very nature of us as people. And we've got to know this. The kingdom of, of God is countercultural. It's counter to what we love and like and think. Because when you look at the kingdom of God, look at what he says. You want to be the greatest? Be a servant. No, that's not what the world teaches us. The world's like, hey, it's all about me. Like, I'm going to get to that position so I can have all these people do what I want them to do. It's all about me feeling good, being good, and being in a great position. No, no, you want to be the greatest, you got to be a servant. 
Look at the other one. He says, listen, you want to be first, you got to be last. That's not what we're taught in in society and and, and in America today. It's like, listen, I want to be first. I'm going to be first. No, no. He said the best way to be first is you got to get to the back. Serve people. Love people. Why do I say that? Because as Christians, we've got to learn to deny ourselves. that it's not about us. It will never be about us. To some extent, I want you to come in, be inspired. It's amazing. But if all we do is we sit in here week after week and we get inspired, we get puffed up, we become fat, lazy Christians. Like at what point does what God is pouring inside of us, we don't go out and say, God, I'm going to exit. I want to waste away just this mentality of wasting my life away. Like everything inside of me would be spent that when I get to heaven, every ounce of passion, every ounce of energy, every ounce of my life will have been spent to reach the world that God has called us to reach. We got to deny ourselves deny ourselves. The second thing is this, give my purpose to something bigger than us. Give my purpose to something that's bigger than ourselves. Why? Because your purpose is not about you. It's about reaching others. Now, here's the great thing. God gives you gifts. He gives you passions. And when you're doing those things, when you're reaching the world, when you're making a difference, the great thing is this. You're going to be excited. You're going to have fun. You're going to love it. Things are going to come alive to you like never before. And that's the amazing thing of what God does in our life, that we actually enjoy giving our lives away. This is part of following Christ, that God, wherever you lead me, I'm going to go, and whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And so many of you, listen, you made it to the church, you're here today, and it's amazing. You're sitting here, and you say, well, why would God bring me to the church for salvation? Yes. You know, every week, last week, we had three people filled out the Connect card, gave their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Come on, isn't it amazing that we have a church where people can come to know God? And let me just tell you this, you're never going to be more fulfilled than when you have that unsaved, that lost friend that comes with you to church. How many are glad you have a church where they can come in anonymous, they can come in as doubters and end as believers, that when they walk in, they say, nobody's going to judge me, they're going to love me. And there's no greater feeling than this, than that person sitting right beside you. That lost person sitting next to you, and you have used every ounce of your credibility. How many have ever had that? You're like, oh, pastor, you better be good today. <laughs> like, I worked hard for this one. Like, I told him you were funny. You better be funny today. <laughs> don't mess this up. I, I, mean, I actually had a lady say, don't mess this one up. And so we understand this, that, that in our lives, they're sitting right next to you. And so you, we, we have a place where people can know God's salvation. And, and there is no greater moment in the service than the very end. No greater feeling than this. When the message is over, you've been inspired, but the truth is you didn't hear a word I had to say because you were hoping, God, would you just touch their life? God, I know that you're the answer. God, I know that you are the one that is the solution to all their problems. And you're sitting there and you're laughing. You get through the service. You're like, thank God he was good today. And then he gets up and, you know, I'm I'm sharing the gospel message. And so someone would say, well, you do it every week. I do it every week for your friends, for your family, for your neighbors, for your coworkers that are sitting right beside you. And let me tell you this. When I say bow your heads, close your eyes, I give you permission to look over and see if that hand is raised. You just look on over. You say, oh, Jesus, thank you. And then you just bump that hand up. You just keep your eyes wide because that's the fruit of your harvest. 
That's the fruit of your labor, that you brought them into a place. I don't go to your workplace. I can't go to your neighborhoods. I can't go to your family. But I can promise you this. Every week, I will spend my life here on this stage. Every week, I'll give everything I got. I'll preach as a dying man to dying men so that we could win the lost. A place of salvation. Now listen, it's got to be more than just that. Now it's got to be engaging in a big dream. That it's us saying, listen, I'm going to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. It can't just be about us. We've got to wrap our arms around something that's bigger than us. And that bigger thing is the vision God placed inside of this church to reach this city, to reach this county, to reach this nation, and to reach this world. That God were a part of something bigger than ourselves. Look at Mark 8, 35. It says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel, they'll save it. So you got to know this. There is a difference between a career and a calling. It's not about just going out and doing good things. Listen, a career is when you're bigger than your purpose. you got a career. But when your purpose is bigger than you, you've got a calling. Something that's greater than you could do by yourself. It takes a team. People that are rallied together, that inspire one another, that work hard together. That's when you've got a calling from God in your life. Let me just tell you this. For me, I've got a calling. I didn't know it 15 years ago, but God sent us to this city to raise up a church that would impact this city like no other. I'm not looking to be famous. I'm not looking to be discovered. I'm looking to give my life to this city to this county, to this region, to see the lost saved. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than me. It takes all of us to make that happen. And then we've got to understand this. There's a difference between success and significance. Success is when you add value to yourself. Significance is when you add value to others. So let me ask you this. Are you living successful or are you significant? I don't want to be successful. I don't want to try to get known. In, no, no, I, I just want to be significant. I want to add value to the people around me. I want to raise up leaders, raise up men and women that are going to engage in the church and, and what God's doing. Because I know this, when you find your why, you find your way. And some of you have felt lost. You had the wrong directions to get you to where you thought the end should be. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there is a better way. That God, you would uncover the purpose, the why, the why. God, uncover my why so that then I could find my way. God, I would move forward in what you would have to do in my life. I've got a couple of stories. I don't normally read stories, but I I get God's stories all the time from our dream team. And we tell them to our dream team and the people around us. We have hundreds of people that serve each and every week. And Pastor Jackie does an amazing job. I was just reading some of the God stories, and I I just felt like it fit right into this message. And I'm just going to read a couple of excerpts from people. And it just so happens that they're both on the greeter team. I'm not saying the greeter team's more anointed. Just telling you. (laughs) I I read them, and they spoke to me. And I just wanted to share. Can I just share just, there's one, it's JB. And look at what he said, because I can't say it any better than what he said it. He said, Pastor Jim would always encourage everyone to start next steps after each service. So I did. I finished all four of the next steps classes. And I finally figured out what God's purpose was for me after that. 
I knew that I was created to serve by greeting. I knew how important it was for me personally because it changed my life. Now every Sunday when I serve, I'm driven with compassion to love on people the way I was loved on when I attended the church for the very first time. Now when I walk through the courtyard of B.F. Terry High School on Sundays, I'm still reminded of God's grace and His love and how much God has changed my life because of next steps. I truly do know God. I have found freedom. I have discovered my purpose. I pray every day that I'm making a difference. The dream team is not just a team to me anymore. It's a family. Just to, see, see, people have asked me, and I've, I've actually had pastors actually ask me, say, hey, how do you and friends, people, we have hundreds of pastors come through here that are going off to plant their churches and the one distinguishing mark pastor dino rizzo came here and preached a couple of years ago about a year and a half ago dear friend and mentor to me and he said listen the one thing that marks your church unlike any other church that i've been in is that your people love people wouldn't that be so great just like lakewood that we would be an oasis of love in rosenberg Someone say, well, how do you get them to do it? Like, how do you bribe them? Like, do you mean, no, no. You know what we do? We find people that come alive by loving on other people. They just come alive. It's like, this is my purpose. This is what I was made for. Then here's one more, and I'm ending after this. It's Leslie. I don't know. She was in, she was in the first service. Let me just read this. She's a, a greeter as well. She says, after going through next steps, I found out and finally understood how and why God made me. I found purpose in my life through serving on the dream team. My constant prayer is that God, you would use me not just once a month, but every single day, especially on Sundays. I believe that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I pray that every Sunday I would be able to greet someone that had a bad week, maybe, and then maybe needs a high five, a handshake, and that I would be able to be the bridge that would make it just a little bit easier for them to walk through our doors. God has given me the gift of a high eye, which is an influencer, part of your personality uh, mix that if you'll go to next steps after this, you'll discover for yourself. She said, I'm a high eye, which means I love engaging and loving on new people. And then look at the very last of what she says. I was made for this. I was made for this. Why? Because when you find your why, you'll find your way. And when we look at the text... Lose your life for my sake, the sake of Jesus, and for the gospel. That, that's why, listen, you can go out, we can go and do great community service, and we do. But it can't just be good acts of service. It can't just be justice for justice. It has to be justice that leads people to the Savior. That as we give our life away, as we make a difference in our community, we go and we rebuild houses, but then we always tell them the reason why. We are here because there's a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ, and He loves you so much that He sent us to be His hands and to be His feet, and that the gospel will be preached to the ends of this earth. Why? Because it's part of our purpose. Yeah, you can make money. I'm not saying don't make money just like me, but find your purpose in Christ. Engage in the church. Engage in what you're doing. Well, I don't know what to do. That's great. Go to Next Steps. Happens right after this service and just try it out. I, I, you know, I can sense somebody saying, yeah, I've tried it. I served somewhere, but I didn't come alive like you said. Yeah, try our process. Something brought you to this church, and it wasn't just to come on a Sunday to hear a crazy pastor preach passionately to stir you up. It was to engage you. Be the bottom.